Welcome to Drive Time, our UCLA Anderson fully employed MBA podcast. I'm Dylan Stafford, your host. We want you to meet some of the great women and men of FEMBA to share in their success and see the impact of their MBA. Today's interview is with Amy Miller, FEMA class of 2016. When I first met Amy, pre-MBA, she was wondering, should I get an MBA? Is this for me? Amy had studied religion in undergrad and is the mother of four. She was co-running a family business and she was wondering, is the MBA worth the time, the effort? How will it really help my family business? Well now, post-FEMBA, Amy is the CEO of a woman-owned business, Lester Lithograph, which is rapidly expanding and she's not wondering anymore, as you'll hear when she shares how FEMBA gave her a voice in business that she didn't have before, as well as an invigorated sense of confidence. You'll hear about her global experiences from Barcelona to Vienna and Prague and Brazil, and how she ultimately earned a certificate in global management. You'll hear about her experience in the Flex curriculum and her FEMBESTIES, new best friend she's made here. Amy ends her podcast with advice, great advice for anyone embarking on their MBA journey. We hope you enjoy meeting Amy Miller, UCLA Anderson, FEMBA class of 2016. Why don't we just start with your background? Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? So I went to Pepperdine for my undergrad, majored in religion. So going to business school is a little bit of a departure from that. Um, Got married 23 years ago, actually. Congratulations. Thank you. And we have four children. The oldest is already teaching English in Korea after finishing her bachelor's degree. And then we have one in college in Minnesota, one in the Army, and one still at home. So Oh my I, gosh, you're almost an empty nester. Almost, yeah. And so as they grew and started graduating and leaving home, I started spending more and more time at the family business. So I came in at a part-time level to begin with. And again, as, as time went by, I started taking on projects on a consulting-type basis, marketing focused and started to see some good results and thought maybe maybe it's time to step it up to get some more formal training after all these years of being outside of the business world. And so that is when I started checking out different MBA programs and UCLA was the one I was passionate about. It was mm. like a quickening for me. I, I had to be here. So. Oh my goodness. Well, mm-hmm. let's let's tell more about that because right. you could have gone back to your alma mater, Pepperdine. Grazadio is a great program. Right. What what did you hear in the UCLA program that that called to you? Well, it's it's a spirit of the place. Mm. It, it's it's the camaraderie, the the. Um, I want to say the collaboration. Mm. Dean Olian said it best, I think, in a later conversation, um, that we we help each other. Mm. We do rise to the top, but we help each other to get there. And I liked that a lot. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Dean Olian, I love it when she articulates the three pillars and she talks about sharing success. Mm. And she says, you know, we're not sharp elbows and pointy knees. And I love that, you know, because we're a top tier school and there's an expectation that, you know, it's going to be uber competitive. And and she's really saying, no, we're kind of the best of California, that work hard, play hard, everybody win type atmosphere. Yeah. And I did find that here. Oh, It it was a friendly competition. Mm -hmm. We do have a top tier education, as you mentioned, and the classmates I was sitting with, I was humbled and amazed to be sitting in class with all these brilliant successful people and so grateful to have the experience but we supported each other all the way through as well so that was it is the best of all mm, excellent oh i love it well let's see and um and our listeners want to know so what section did you choose and why did you choose your section i chose flex so even though i do live in la county I live on the far end of L.A. County, and to mitigate 
the traffic and the driving to the office from home and then driving to campus, I chose the flex option, and that was a great fit for me. It's it's a very self-directed program in some regards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because you do watch the videos, you know, the lectures at home, but it was great for me because I could watch it at 5 a.m. if I wanted to or 11 at night if I needed to, and so there was just that flexibility that I needed, um, and yeah, it formed a really great fit. There's enough on-campus time where I felt like I really got to know the professors, I was really challenged, um, and got to know my classmates as well, but then enough time away from campus to really dig in and spend the time I needed to on the lectures. So, for example, because I was a religion major, mm. I didn't have much finance or accounting <laughs> background. Not a whole lot. In no. Yes. And so I was able to re-watch those portions of the videos that I needed to really um, dive deeper into at my own pace. Yeah, I love that idea. I hear so many times the very simple act of being able to rewind. I hear Flex students just say, you, you don't know how great that is just mm-hmm. to hit that again, hit that again. Oh, okay, now I got it. Right. And yet, the professors were so responsive. So if I ever had extra questions, mm. they were very available via email. They were willing to set up office hours for times when we Flexers were on campus. So again, best of both. Very flexible and yet very accessible. And I guess, yeah, there's only a third of the Flex students in L.A. County. Two-thirds are out of the county. So you're, you're the minority in Flex by being local, which right. is kind of backwards, <laughs> I guess, to one way to, to look at it. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that some of the new students have asked for the for the podcasts is, you know, what about study habits? So, you know, for you, for a couple of reasons, you've been out of school for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is new material, mm-hmm. religion to business. And then you're even more avant-garde because you're in kind of a, a more modern delivery, right? There was no hybrid religion delivered at Pepperdine, right. you know? So how did you go about setting new habits for yourself? How did you decide what was going to work for you? What was too much? What was too little? What did, what did your sort of your week look like that first mm-hmm. quarter, the first year as you were transitioning back to school? Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I liked being one of the pioneers. It wasn't the first year of Flex, but it's pretty close. Well, you were the second, second year. year. Yeah, yeah, 16. I, I like that innovation. It was There was an excitement about that for me as we were helping figure it out and working with the director of the hybrid program, and I like that. So that was exciting to me and added something extra for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the day-to-day, the week-to-week, I, I had a learning curve. Mm. I did. I had a learning curve. It was quite a bit to take on at first. Statistics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quarter one. Econ. For, you yeah. know, those classes that are just core and very essential to the program and yet challenging for me. Um, I did have to set a boundary for myself. I found myself burning my candle at both ends yeah. and trying to get it all done. So I did have to let a few things go um, in my professional career just so that I could balance it out. I did. This is just nuts and bolts of it, but I did have to... Um, make sure I turned everything off by 11 p.m. and didn't turn anything on before 6 a.m. I had some struggles in one of the quarters and just realized that with what was going on in my family at the time, with the busyness at work, and with the challenge of the academics, I I just had to get more sleep, I mean, practically. And that has served me well. Mm. Studying less and sleeping more, oddly enough, was a really good fit for me and necessary. And it's the same thing I would have told my children if I had been observing them from the outside. But it took me struggling and stumbling a little bit firsthand to know, okay, that is wise advice. Well, that's true, yeah, because you're you're in the process of getting 
three of four through college by yeah. this point. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, okay. Take the advice I would have given my kids. Exactly. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> but it is doable. You just, you know, like anything else, you just put it in your calendar, you divide it up into bite-sized pieces as much as possible, and lean on groups for the group project. You don't have to do it all yourself. These people are geniuses, I will say. Good, um, good. And so we work together on those group projects, and it, it does all work out. It really does. Fantastic. Did you ever did you ever measure like hours per week? Because a lot of times people say, "How many hours a week is this?" Did you ever think about it like that, or did you just kind of? Not so much. I mean, it would vary. Yeah. So particularly the classes that were more a natural fit for me, I didn't have to spend as much time. But you know, I had to dig in on some of those. Yeah. So so, so class yeah, by class, quarter by quarter. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to divide it up evenly. And then so you know so our listeners know you choose a schedule that's your first year and a quarter. And that's either all day Saturday, flex, or Tuesday Thursday. But then when the second half of the program rolls around, it's it's you choose your classes quarter by quarter, independent of what you had chosen for mm-hmm. for core. So did you take any sort of of the traditional hundred percent on campus electives? Yeah. yeah, and because I live and work close enough, I was able to do that. Good flexibility there. Um, did choose some flex electives, just again for that same convenience factor, but. I wanted to try, I wanted to invest in a little bit of everything. I wanted to have the experience. So mm-hmm. that was a good fit for me, you know, to be able to come week, week after week for some things, but then to have the option to choose some flex. It was good for me. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk about your international experience. I definitely want to talk about um, your leadership experience. And then I want to hear about how you're growing your business. So okay. why don't we start with the, with some of your international, because you went a lot of places yes. and you earned the Certificate in Global Management. So why don't you walk people through what your choices were, which, which and when you chose to go. You did both our global immersions and one of our exchanges. Right. So let's, let's talk about some of the international experience you had. Sure. So I started out after the first year going to Barcelona, and that was the exchange. And it was the classes that were interesting to me. So I thought, well, let's, it's summer. Let's just try it and see. And it actually led to something really great. So the class I took was family business class. And I was able to take some of the lessons I learned there apply them directly to my business when I got home. And that led the following summer to a Family Business of the Year Award in Orange County. So it was directly applicable, not only fun, delicious food, great time with you know classmates and family, but it turned into something really practical and good for our business. Um, so that was the exchange. And let me let me just I didn't probably set up our listeners mm-hmm. fully. So Lester Lithograph is was your employer when you came in and that is a family business. Right. And you have since your your company has now acquired Castle Press, okay. which is actually the press here at UCLA that produces much of our literature and and much of our collateral. So I didn't I just didn't tell people that you actually had the family business entrepreneurial starting point as you came into Correct. FEMPA. Okay. Correct. So so that was just a, a total synergy that you got to go abroad and have that specific applicability. And then that led to your Orange County Family Business of the Year Award. Correct. Oh, nice. Yeah. Go Anderson. Go Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So the next international experience I had was the Vienna Prague immersion trip. So that was a whole class of us going together, um, visiting businesses and taking class together. And that was a wonderful experience as well. And then this spring, over spring break, I went to the Brazil immersion. Wow. And was, I mean, was Brazil just on fire with the pre-Olympic 
Hype. It's a madhouse over there. Yeah, it's probably a madhouse <laughs> always. It's fair to say, with the impeachment proceedings of Dilma Rousseff and the Olympic brouhaha <laughs> and Petrobras, all those exciting things happening. So yeah, it was it was a bit of a wild ride. We had a great time and we learned a lot. Mm. And who were who were your faculty? So who was Vienna and Prague? I forget which professor. Zeithammer. Oh, that was Zeithammer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Brazil was Sussman. Oh, oh, was yeah, Eric Sussman, one of our well, all of our faculty are awesome, but yes, okay. So the difference, and for people who don't understand the difference between our global immersions, Anderson faculty travel with, mm-hmm. and the accommodations are a little nicer. You're in hotels, etc. There's a surcharge for that. Mm-hmm. With our exchanges, we're, you're you're being taught in country by professors from the other At university. The school in that, you know, in that. And and the, the accommodations were more dormitory. On our own. On oh, on yeah, your own. So you can set own. it up as you mm-hmm. want it. Okay, so for Barcelona, your first of three. That was, I gotta get the name right. That was an exchange, and then the second two were global immersions. Correct. Wow! And then so all and all of these were the the one week format. Did you stay a little? Did you of go course. early and stay late? Of course, of course. Good. So any <laughs> yeah. any exciting stories? We might as well. You any know. good intercultural moments from any of the three that you? Always you're... in every place. There's always something great. So in Barcelona, our youngest son and my husband met me over there. Oh, nice! And we were able to travel around, and you know. See the sights of Barcelona, um, Vienna, Prague. They also came, and they came after the immersion. I would recommend that. It's just a full time week when you're there in class. So they met me there afterward, and we traveled on down to Munich for Oktoberfest. Oh, you um, did? Oh. Yep. We wore the traditional garb and the whole bit. I mean, we oh, just, the lederhosen. We and... immersed. <laughs> we did. We immersed. And then in Brazil, um, I traveled with a couple of classmates before the trip to some very famous waterfalls and just saw as much as we could of nature down there. So well, and it is, it is, if we're all the way around the world, let's, let's take advantage of it. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and now let's see. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's three experiences. And then let's talk about your global access program. So you were matched. So I love this story. You were, it was a Swedish company that was a husband and wife right. corporation about the same size as Lester Lithograph at right. the time. So again, sort of, now, did you know that before you chose the company knowing that, or was that happy accident? We knew some about the country. There's a bio that all the teams get. So during the bidding process for the Gap company that you might be matched with, you you have a rough outline of what's going on. But once we met face-to-face, I knew these would be our friends, right? So this is a great match. They have children a little bit younger than my own. But working with husband and wife team, you know, there's certain nuances that go along with that. That kind of form recommendations that our team would make maybe in a more unique way than than some of the other teams and so I was able to come at that from first hand experience um, with what, the family dynamic yeah. that goes into having a business together and what what is their what is their business what it's industry? a clean water tech business oh interesting right and so it is a an amazing invention amazing technology and they're applying it in many countries nearby, Norway, Germany, etc., you know, branching outside of Sweden, but helping them think through the implications of what it would look like to start a business in the U.S. Oh, they wanted um, to come here. Their family, um, you know, who's going to come over here and work? Will it be the husband? Will it be the brother-in-law, etc.? So, you know, just those family issues that come up. And you, you kind of started the program thinking that you were going to focus on marketing when we, were, when we talked earlier. Right. And and yet you've now got this sort of entrepreneurial international perspective right. in addition to marketing. Right. 
So we help companies with their marketing. So I thought that would be a really good add on, Mm -hmm. you know, let's learn about marketing so we can further help our clients, which I have done, but my main focus has been global management. So with an international flair, um, taking global economics and emerging markets and classes that would help me focus more on growth in international areas. And that was a surprise serendipity for me, you know, just my interest in travel, my interest in helping other people in other countries um, was able to really be explored. And and I feel like I have a good foundation now for doing business in other countries and with other countries. Well, I love that. And you, you quoted Dean Olean earlier. One of the quotes that I've heard her say that I love is global brains. We want our students to have global brains. Mm-hmm. And she's always given the deans who run FEMBA and, and EMBA, she's always given so much uh, green light to create these global immersions mm-hmm. to, you know, we're the first part-time program to have the exchanges. And, you know, being from Australia originally, I think Dean Olean just gets, just gets it. And she spends so much time talking to alumni around the world and, it is such a small world, and we are so interdependent. But to raise your own comfort level, to have a voice, and and have a you know have a recommendation. So take us through the kind of the conclusion of the six months of gap as you were preparing your presentation. So you have a, a company Swedish Sweden based. They've been expanding in you know to their southern neighbors. Now they're talking about going to the U.S. and well, who's going to go? You or me? Husband, wife? You know. So what was the recommendation? How did you all frame? frame what you thought they should do next? Well, they had already a really wonderful opportunity coming up for them in Germany. Ah, And we didn't go too deep into that because our focus was what would it look like if we entered the U.S.? So we focused our project on that part of it, always with the thought in mind that if they did that, they may have to give up the Germany idea. Mm. So we were really able to talk them through some of those things and make some recommendations as to, you know, if you do enter the U.S., where would be the best place Mm -hmm. to enter? Mm -hmm. And if you do enter, how and when, what kind of grid or framework should be in place to give you the best odds of success? So we focused on that. You know, just maybe growing the management team to support mm-hmm. a further international expansion, having a deeper bench, for example. Um, try some things in Norway. Open up a second branch because you're relatively close by and you can see what it feels like to be apart before making the grand investment so far away yeah. in the U.S. So those kinds of ideas. And it was so gratifying because before they even came for the final presentation, they... We have to turn in kind of a 95% plan. Right. And they see that. And so they're not totally, none of the executives is totally surprised by the recommendations when they get here, which is a good thing. But when we did meet with them in December, they admitted to us that they had started implementing some of our recommendations. And that that just is so gratifying nice. to know that they're already seeing improvements before we've even given the final presentation. We're really grateful for that opportunity. Oh, great. well, and I love, the, I love the teams that stay connected to their executives years later. Yeah. I mean, Gap is not supposed to land people a job, but it does that occasionally. But more than a couple teams, you know, I, I hear them say, yeah, 18 months later, we're still... We're watching, we're following, you know, I just check out their progress to see. And and as as a program, we're creeping up on 500 million, so close to half a billion dollars in in 
investments made based on you know FEMBA program student you know FEMBA student recommendations. Mm-hmm. And just to pivot it again onto the family side, so one of my teammates had his wife and their five year old daughter along, huh. and the family has a five year old daughter, so they're friends. They just keep wow. in touch. I had my daughter along, who's just a little bit older than the executive's twin daughters, and they're friends on Snapchat and Facebook, and they, they message each other back and forth. And So it's been fun to see just the friendship develop outside of business. That is so... And Paul Brandano, the executive director who works with Professor Foster, he, he uses that phrase, a global ecosystem of innovation, which I just think is the sexiest phrase. My, <laughs> my geek, you know, that's like a, that's, a, that's a sexy marketing geek phrase, right? A global ecosystem of innovation that, that Gap has now... That, you know, that the, the government agencies who provide the companies, who provide the interface between the government of Switzerland or Sweden or, you know, or Finland and UCLA... You know, they're helping us pre-screen the companies and, and, you know, the faculty on our side know, you know, what the strengths of our student teams are. And then you get these auxiliary interdependencies and, and connections going. And there's going to be a lot of people who will provide pings back as time goes forward about, mm-hmm. you know, these relationships. I just it's, that's how you get business done. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you have to start with, do I trust you? Well, I like your children. You like my children. We've actually had dinner together you know that that's a whole other thing than i saw your website right yeah exactly oh my goodness okay so and and you did travel so you went to sweden correct okay Mm -hmm. so so there were two of us from the team of five who traveled and how how does because a lot of times people are just curious about the the mechanics of gap Mm -hmm. um a lot of the 2017s who've been listening to the podcast say say more about gap so So, how did you guys decide who would travel who, who when and how did you set that up right I was pretty passionate about traveling because I love the global experience. So as we were forming teams, I kind of softly threw it out there that it would be okay if I were one who were <laughs> part of the team that gets to travel. Okay, yeah, um, volunteer. Let people of, know. Yeah, and yeah. some of those on my team could not travel for work, re- work or family-related reasons, and so they knew they did not want to travel. And so it, it kind of formed naturally. Yeah, You know, the second team member who traveled, it it was kind of, you know, who should go? We're not really sure who can work it out with their schedules, and let's just kind of wait and see. And we were out to dinner with our executives when they came out for the initial meet and greet Mm -hmm. and seminar in June, I believe it was. And um, as we were all out to dinner, kind of the decision was made that this is a good fit, and and he'll be the second member of our team to go. And it was exciting. We were all thrilled that... Um, that that was going to work out, and it seemed like a great fit with the executives, and and so it kind of went from there. So it wasn't a cut and dried, you know, these two or all five wanted to go, and now you know it was mm-hmm. nothing like that. It was a very natural decision making process for us. There were teams who wanted, all of them wanted to travel, and they worked it out with their budget subsidizing some from their own personal money. So there is a budget for each team, and there mm-hmm. are recommendations that are clearly laid out as far as travel. And and so, you know, some teams navigated that differently than we did. But for us, it was it was a natural fit for the two of us to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's pivot the conversation a little bit into some of the leadership roles that you've had, because you were active in FEMBA Council, the Family Business Association, the newly forming Family Correct. Business Association. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about how did you, how did you choose your extracurricular participation? I was slow to get involved, actually. Mm. I wanted to make sure that I could really handle the academics first um, before I 
stepped up in any of the clubs or anything like that. So I was actually um, late to the game as far as student council goes, but saw the need to help. It's particularly challenging being a flex student and being on student council. And, um, you know, it is it is an option for those of us who are not on campus to call in, but it's, it's better to have someone actually there at the meeting. It just works better. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like our our section can be better represented with someone right there in the room. So I saw the opportunity to help out in that way. And, and being one of it. the LA County flexors. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. For Correct. sure. To have that voice at the table. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. So we went from there and, mm-hmm. you know, being flex and being the social rep by the time we're in our last year, some people have already finished because they've accelerated or, or done some summer programs. Um, but just being there to help where I can, that, that was my motivation. That was why I really wanted to do it. Typically, Dean Olian says at commencement, she says, you're not actually graduating today. You're commencing forth. <laughs> and we're all of us commencing forth into a lifelong learning. I do feel that. I hit send on that last paper just, just <laughs> two days ago. And I feel this um, new, first of all, energy, but also this new wealth or free time that I kind of don't know how to fill because this last quarter I took more than a full-time load. Oh my goodness. So now, and these were all bonus classes. Right. And so now the calendar is completely free. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I did order a couple books. So okay. I will be reading. All right. Good. <laughs> summer. I love it. Okay. So we, we've talked about, um, we've talked about some of the international. We talked about, about your gap, a little bit about student leadership. So let's, you know, you walked in the door. One of the conversations we had was, should you do the executive MBA or the fully employed MBA? And you had the thought, well, I'm, I'm sort of part time because I'm still, you know, I still have children. I still have a family to my way of that's a full time life. And your, you know, the exposure you had and the leadership that you had in your company, to me, you for sure could have been in the executive MBA program. So you, but so tell us a little bit about what your thought was, why you wanted the three-year model, kind of what, tell us, tell us about some of the wonderful things that have happened to your company. And then let's start to look, what do you see going forward with, with Rob? What do you guys, what's up next? Sure. So let's talk about kind of the career impact of, of all of the education that you've, you've shared with us. Okay. So when I first applied to Anderson, I had only been in our business for full time for about six years. As I mentioned, I started at part-time and project basis, and I really did not feel like I had the foundation in business that I even needed for the role I already had. Mm. I, I find myself sometimes in these positions where I'm not really qualified. <laughs> I, mm. just, I didn't want to feel like I was faking it at all. Right, right. Um, and, and that was a great fit. At the beginning of the program, I looked around the classroom and saw, wow, these are very impressive people in my class, who some of them had PhDs in chemistry. Some of them already were accountants, were already financial analysts and advisors, wealth management specialists, and, you know, on the management track at Cisco or Google or, you know, these bigger companies, and here I am with my small family business. So to be in the MBA, the the EMBA program, it would have been okay, but I think I was in the right place in the FEMBA program because mm. the work, the years of work experience maybe matched a little bit more, even though my years age-wise may have matched in the EMBA program better. So it just it formed a really good fit that way. Um, the three-year program, good for me as well because just my work schedule, my family schedule, um, not being here Friday and Saturday it was a better fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it has worked out beautifully, I think. Well, and you got to travel more with Femba. That's you know that the, the you know oftentimes the people who are qualified for Emba but rather choose Femba, it is the Friday off that can be that can be a sticking point, or you know to really just have more time to explore because you do just actually take more units mm-hmm. because it's a it's a longer delivery of the program. Well, like I said at the outset, well, we were we were thrilled to have you. So, um, and now now, so tell me about like what does it feel like your seat at the table now? You know, because I um, it's so funny because you're from Pepperdine and uh, Katie Kruger Davis was from Pepperdine and she talked about reading Lean In and the imposter syndrome and and she really spent some time in our podcast talking about you know like really as a, as a modern professional fully earned right to be there female at the table. Right. And I think there's a human element too, but like I, I, I have my MBA, you know, I, I know what the heck I'm talking about now. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the transition from a religion studies background, working part-time family business to now you guys have had an acquisition. You're looking at another one. Sure. So I do feel qualified to be the CEO of a woman owned business, which yeah. is what I am now. The stock has been transferred. It's official. And um, so that's a new role for me. And I feel like I have a voice not only in our own company, but now in the industry. So mm. print industry executives are relying on us for our insight. And I'm just pulling out my notes from all my great classes and, and leaning on that experience that I've had here at Anderson. Um, I have a good foundation moving forward for that. Um we're going to be involved in the president's conference, for example, for our industry, leading as the chair, co-chairs of that conference. Wow. And it's because we have this vast experience and education now um, that we're able to speak with an educated voice to the issues that other printers are facing. And I wouldn't have had that confidence before. I wouldn't have been settled in the fact that I do have a voice and I do have something to say. Another thing that is becoming more of a passion is realizing that, particularly in manufacturing as I am, I I call myself an accidental feminist. So I'm, I'm quite a <laughs> traditional person, but um, as I as I lead more in the industry and in our company, I realize that there are some lingering biases um, mm. that I had never felt before. I just had had to experience it in my own life before, um, but now it's still there. And so for me, figuring out moving forward, how do I appreciate the way that has been paved by those who have gone before me, but also help the future generation come in and have less struggle than what I even have? So anyway, I think my education and experience with different professors here, um, both of those have really helped me start exploring that start knowing even where to look for the research on that and and have a really educated um, viewpoint to share Mm. and any you know just sort of as a category because you know most of our students are employed any any sort of pitch for for being the owner you know putting i mean it's kind of scary for a lot of people but i know a lot of our listeners are going that way you know a lot of people are going to return to their home country Mm. they're going to take their nest egg and their experience set from america they're going to go back and dovetail back into their family business back in another country or they're going to do it here in America anything about I mean there's something exciting to us entrepreneurs about the risk Mm -hmm. take the risk Mm -hmm. do it you know we've learned about a lot of business leaders who have stumbled and failed even a little bit um, and that may be part of it and and download your slides keep them handy refer back but we also have such a great network 
So when things don't look quite right, we have advisors and our own classmates, and we have access to the faculty. So if we you know, need help making a, a risky decision or need help navigating how to work with my 80-year-old dad who won't retire, for example, you know, how do I do that? We have access to the faculty, and we can ask questions. So I, I feel confident about encouraging everyone, if you're thinking about it, definitely explore it with the kind of scaffolding that you received here at Anderson. Um, and knowing that you have kind of a safety net of lots of people in the network to ask. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. My wife incorporated her business in 2009. And it was a ride, but it's, you know, but as a, as a as a family who's committed to both, you know, having a professional presence and, you know, being participating parents, mm-hmm. it gives us it gives us a lot more leeway. Well, um, anything else about sort of looking forward with your company or any any other of the kind of just the connection of the education into the, the delivery of your professional commitment? I mean, that's amazing. The President's Conference, um, you know, for printers mm-hmm. and you guys have, have acquired one and you're thinking about another. And you're just we really can do more than we think. Mm. We really can. Um just trying to improve things, as as Professor Ullman says, just on the margins. You know, do what you're already doing, and then see if you can make it a little bit better on the margins. I think that has really served me well, um, professionally. You know, and now I'm finishing up the academic MBA, but now ready to apply more and more of what I've learned here. So it, it's continuous improvement, maybe in a yeah. personal way. Yeah. Um, it's yeah on the margins improve make it a little bit better step by step oh you you quote professor ullman i love he's he's a very wise man um let's let's kind of start as we start to wrap up any other any other shout out so any favorite faculty who you'd like to mention or or peers you want to say thank you to or just anybody who kind of was part of your village the village that has created you as an almost five days away (laughs) femba graduate yeah i mean i've mentioned several of the professors already i want to really mention the staff Mm. of all things you know we are very well supported by the staff here in the FEMBA program they do a lot and they understand that we're stressed and distracted and they've sent an email and they've sent another email and we still haven't found it and we still have a question and and they're very kind and joyful Mm. about helping us not not even just friendly but even joyful about it so I really appreciate the FEMBA staff um yeah, I I haven't had a bad experience with a faculty member, so I would recommend all of them. All of I know them. that's such a broad And you didn't just take 20, you took 20 plus 3 bonus. Okay, right? that's and so when I love I that. Think, you know, as an incoming student, a Facebook page will be set up right. for your year, and that's a great resource for finding out, okay, has anyone ever had this professor or that professor? And you find out kind of the pros and cons, and um, there's a very good survey program in place, so you can read up on all the professors you may be considering. I would recommend that. It's it's a very personal decision, and so you know any of the faculty I've had, I would, I would recommend. Um, as far as classmates... Again, I mean, everyone, you just look around and you think, this is this is a broad base of very wonderful, brilliant people. Mm. So, of course, you know, we joke about the, the term fembesties. Fembesties. Um, <laughs> I had not heard that till I became a podcastee. So, you know, there is that handful of fembesties that, you know, we traveled through happy hours and finals and studying and 
frustrations together and victories and um so I do have those but you know by the end of the program we see each other across campus and and think oh we're in the same section and it's just this instant kinship you know mm. just friendship so I can't really name one over the other no but, okay yeah know, not, don't, not to play favorites my, but... my gap team of course we mm. became very close because we're just working together closely for six months and even traveling together and um so yeah fantastic well that's yeah we we talk about you know it's it's like an annuity that that grows in value because your career is going to expand and so are the careers of all your classmates and yeah, it's it's instant access to to not just the right answer because you know all these amazing smart people, but but really, yeah, that because we're all going to have our professional ups and downs, and it's great to have people that you can. Ah, okay, I'm a little stressed or whatever. You know, just you know, none of us do life by ourselves. Well, uh, any last, you know, if I knew then what I know now, any any last words of wisdom you want to leave with our listeners today? Do it. Just jump in. Just do it. Do it. That's, just do know, it. That's what I really have done. And the song I Lived by One Republic. That's mm. kind of my little grad school theme song. Nice. If I had to get, a, one, get a theme song. I love that. If I had to choose one, yeah. Um, just, I tried to make the most of every opportunity where I could get involved. I tried to do so um, where I could spend some time talking to a classmate or, or a professor or a staff member, I tried to do so, and I don't regret that at all. I would recommend it highly, um, just to have no regrets. Mm. And I really feel I'm finishing the program with no regrets and with a lot of victories and wins and good memories. So I would recommend the same for everyone else. Just jump in, just do it. I love it. I love it. And get a theme song. That's awesome. <laughs> Everybody should have a theme song. You know, you play it when you walk into class. Da, 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 da. Well, today, uh, my very special guest has been Amy Miller. She is um, the owner and CEO of Lester Lithograph slash the Castle Press, soon to be expanding yet again. Um, she's walking out of here with a certificate in global management and an expanded company and three of her kids through college, one left. You're about to go see your daughter in Korea um, and has been a global traveler, as you have heard. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Amy, for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Until we meet again. Thanks, everyone.